0: Hi I'm Sabrina and he's Marcus
1: and we are two of the founders of the Black Trail Runners you can find us on Instagram at the black trail runners
0: we're a community and campaigning group seeking to increase inclusion participation and representation of black people in trail running
1: if something resonates with you please let us know and share online
0: also leave your review on the podcast platform that you selected as it helps our podcast grow your support helps to make this podcast possible
1: thank you for downloading this episode now let's head to the conversation
0: Marcus it's another checkpoint podcast um it feels like only yesterday we spoke and in fact we did but tell me and for the good of the listeners what have you been getting up to this week
1: so I am one week away from my marathon in Dorney Lake so it's just been uh training for that um and just kind of focusing on that so it's been pretty standard pretty boring but um that's just the runner's life
0: <laughs> so tell me what is i can't remember whether you said last week um because i have a really short term memory um what is the time that you're aiming to go for what uh, your, what have you been training for
1: so two something so okay. under three hours so okay. around the 250s mark
0: Last blood that's blooming fast isn't it marcus that is that's unbelievable, actually. So what kind of minute mile is that? For those of us out there that kind of are trying to kind of calculate that in our head, how fast do you go
1: in? I know there's going to be people going, oh, speaking kilometers. But no, I don't I, I, kilometers. Oh, kilometers, whatever. <laughs> I can't do. But basically, minute per mile, you need to run just under 650. Um, but I'd say you need to go under because with most races, you tend to run uh further than you know what your your watch says yeah uh, so I mean I'd say safely you want to be in a 640s oh, that sort wow. of place and I I've been doing be watching my tempo runs like that in like Victoria Park just yeah. going around and circles which is entertaining but it's obviously given me <laughs> the sort of practice for the race that I'm doing which is going to be going around in circles around the lake <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, it's
0: amazing I mean I like yeah we won't talk we well we won't be having a podcast between now and when you do it so the next podcast you will have done it um yeah. and I'm sure probably well, let's touch wood I'm touching wood now we'll have smashed it but um fair play I don't think I've done it under 650 actually I think I did once and I was in the car and I'd forgotten to turn my garment off so um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's the only time I've done that kind of pace for any decent amount of time. <laughs>
1: Good stuff. I mean, it's all progress now. I mean, like when I first started off, I wasn't, you know, you know, I wouldn't. I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? Because my yeah. my my speed now is still slow to say, like elite women runners. <laughs> Do <you know> what <laughs> what I mean, that's their jogging pace. Whereas, like when I first started, like nine minutes. I mean, was just like busting a gut. You yeah. know what I mean? So. Yeah. I mean, you just got to celebrate where you are and I'm just trying to do the best that I can and just focus on my lane, not focus on anyone else's.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And how have you been anyways? What have you been up to?
0: Oh my God. So, you know, obviously I, well, I say obviously, but I think on the last podcast, I said that myself and Sonny and some other black trail runners were going up to compete in Ultra X England 125. So that happened last weekend. And oh my God, people, I've never been to the Peak District before and it is beautiful. Like I I read a piece in, the, in a magazine yesterday and it was about the um, importance of us having awe moments, like A-W-E moments in our lives. And I had a bucket full of all moments, running, walking, laughing, talking, 50K around the Peak District. I mean, it. I can't put into words, it was a beautiful day. I was with Sunny Peer, who's a co-founder of Black Trail Runners, and we were taking pictures and we got some audio for the podcast as well, which you'll hear later. But oh, Marcus! It was. I know that next year, I think you're thinking of coming up and crewing or or whatever. But it was just, I'm so appreciative to Ultra X for supporting Black Trail Runners and and you know giving us giving us some places and stuff like that. But it, it it was beautiful, and it was a really nice race to kind of end the year on because I don't have anything else. Another way, the trail races or trail challenges set up for the any of the last couple of months of 2020. So it felt like the most fitting way to like end almost my season. Now I'm going into like off season where I just get strong with strength and conditioning and lose a bit of lockdown weight. But um <laughs> but yeah Marcus, you know what? I want to run it with you one day, mate, when you when you're ready, me and you.
1: I'm up for 650
0: that. 6.50 minute mile in. <laughs>
1: You've sure. got to be joking. <laughs> I'm not.
0: And that is silly of me to say, based on what we said last week on the A to Z. I, it was a joke, people. It's not about 6.50. but but Maybe at
1: the start though, like for the first like 10 meters. For the first, and then 10, then meters, slow down, first then 10 meters,
0: absolutely. First 10 meters, get your place and then slow right down. But um, yeah. that's really all I can talk about in terms of my week because I did it and I was on a high and, and, and now I'm like, what's next but um it's fine I think you know small small things that I can put in place and um we'll get through this people we'll get through the next six months
1: do you know what it reminds me of we've had conversations separately about uh the marathon the up mm. and just the feeling when you're out there you have those all moments as well just mm. like your place within uh, the world of the nature yeah. and it seems like when you were telling us that story just sort of remind me of and uh, Those moments are so special. You just don't get that in road racing or running around a lake repeatedly.
0: You know, it's, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you're just putting it down, but it's, I can remember one, one bit, which is a piece of video footage and I haven't sent it to him yet. Although I do think I put it on Instagram, but, um, near the end of the race when Sonny and I were just kind of kind of coming down the final descent to kind of make our way back and we were. I caught some video of him just kind of running down and the sun was in the background and Sunny's like silhouette was running down. And I just, I could have cried. And then I was, I had tears in my eyes because as we were coming up to the final stretch, Simbaresh, who was there, got injured. Again, we've got some footage of him, but he was there waiting for us, shouting us in. He ran the final bit with us. And I, it just made me feel like, since we've been set up as black trail runners in july like this is what it's about community coming together not feeling alone not feeling other and it was just that kind of final mile just absolutely confirmed what we're doing is is right what we're doing is needed and and when we come together we, we are we are beautiful and we're a force you know it was it it was great
1: it's so great to hear that and uh, looking forward to definitely getting involved with that next year and uh, and even the stuff in the industry we've got some plans, which obviously we're going to, we're not going to speak about today because that's, that's obviously for another time, but we've just, I think the whole idea of community and getting people out running yeah, is such an important part of what we want to be a part of moving forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that you know it's it's difficult times at the moment, you know, we we if we were in a normal world, we would already have put on kind of, you know, bigger meetups. Um but we have to we have to work with what we have. We have to we we can't control everything and you know, we do have, you know, plans um going ahead in terms of, you know, meetups and stuff like that. You know, we've got our trail running weekend um which we will be doing more of those kind of things but um there's something special there's something special about community there's something special about face to face you know that personal kind of contact as well and and seeing you know seeing the whites that you know the whites of people's eyes the smiles on their faces the the vibe and the energy it's very special The checkpoint is supported by the North Face, whose fundamental mission remains unchanged since 1966 to provide the best gear for their athletes and the modern day explorer, support the preservation of the outdoors, and inspire a global movement of exploration. So I'm just at Ultra X SAP here, just uh, I can see in the distance the blue and white Ultra X tent, um, so I'm just going to go in and have my temperature done. Go and pick up my number. Hopefully meet Sunny, Simbarash, and Josie, and then yeah, 9:42 is our start time. So then we'll get going. So I've just walked up here. It's quite bracing in the wind. You might be able to hear it, um, but yeah really keen to get started hopefully the rain will hold off today Woo. right so i'm here we sunday morning it's the 20th isn't it I think so. simba yeah so simba was like the hardy soul that signed up to the whole england 125 and uh he's going to tell us about his day yesterday and uh because i was tracking him and i got a little bit worried <laughs> because he was absolutely smashing it so simba what happened what what's
2: so I started off bright and early, uh, so about half past six, set off, um, doing really well. Sort really of, well. Sort of nine minute, f- 13 minute uh, miles, which yeah. in context is quite fast. Very fast. <laughs> fast. Uh, and around about sort of 10 miles, I felt a twinge in my hip flexor, which didn't get any better, got mm-hmm. worse. Uh and then it just turned into a bit of a death march to be honest oh Simba (laughs) I was
0: so I was watching him and I was like oh my god this black trail runner is smashing this course if he continues you know this is just going to be epic and then I got really worried, so I started putting all over social media. Where's Simba? Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone seen Simba? I was worried he was at, lying at the bottom of somewhere. But um, so, have you had issues with the hamstring
2: before? Uh, it's hip flexor, yeah. It's hip, sorry, it's hip flexor. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so it's, it's something which kind of I felt kind of kind of go, but you just kind of have to deal with it, don't you? Sometimes it's, yeah. it's just par for the course.
0: It is. <laughs> Things are going to hurt. They <laughs> are really going to hurt. So, I had you ever run around that? route before have you run in the peak district a lot
2: no no first first time first time and it's it's quite it's, it's quite pretty but when you get to the top it's quite bleak it? <laughs> you yeah. he's
0: telling me this today and i've got to get to the top of various
2: things today it, it, it gets windy Sideways wind, Sideways. cloud, but it's not looking. It's not looking too. I'm not sure if you saw my, my Instagram yesterday. So it was quite cloudy. So it's it, it seems a bit clearer today. So I think I think you could be. You could
0: we're looking around. We're like looking around <laughs> us as we're talking and yeah. saying this. We're like, yeah, it's <laughs> quite gray. it looks yeah. quite grey. It Looks
2: quite grey. Like the, the clouds. The clouds are a bit higher. So I think you'll be fine. But yeah, it was it, it was quite miserable up on the top of like was it I think, I think called Mam, Tour. Mam yeah, Tor. Mam yeah, Tor. Yeah, it was miserable out there. Were
0: you with anyone? Were you running with anyone? Or I mean, do you like running with people? Or? So,
2: so so, so, so the, way, the way the race was done is that people you were let off like individually so so you kind of so that you so you you kind of pass people but you're not kind of really running like the first kind of bit you're not really kind of running with people because there's there was always there's a bit of a bit of gaps or like a 10 minute 10 5 minute gap between people Covid, Covid, Covid Covid, Covid, Covid secure <laughs> uh, so but yeah I think it, but then as, as the race kind of settled in you saw people sort of form back, back into kind of like natural kind of packs but I don't really mind to be honest I just kind of float about yeah
0: do you like running on? Because like I do a lot of training on my own, so when I'm running with other people, it feels a bit weird. Do you like what? Would what do you prefer? Running solo or running in a pack?
2: I'm a mixture of a introvert and extrovert, so I'm happy with people and I'm happy by myself. <laughs> I'm very well answered. <laughs> so, very well answered. No, but I think so, like some sometimes I quite like the peace of just being by myself. But also sometimes it's nice when you're struggling to have someone have someone there like helping push you along. So kind of it work. It kind of it just depends on depends on how you, how you kind of feel at the time. Yeah. And in an ultra you can feel many. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can have many different feelings <laughs> at many different times.
0: <laughs> how did you feel? because you said to me yesterday you'd made peace with you know when your hip flexor went and when it was just too painful to go on and you know you seem to know your body really well how it was your first like DNF of that day wasn't how ever yeah. actually you've never dnf have you how did how how did that feel
2: sorry so to be honest I was, I was fine with it because I, mean, I, I, I went out kind of knowing what pace I wanted to go sort of was it nine between 9 or 10 minute like, like, backstreet boys <laughs> Uh, no, no so I was quite quite happy with the pace I wanted to go uh, and then as soon as as soon as as soon as I started dropping and not be able to kind of run kind of go, go as fast as I wanted I knew that like I just wasn't I lost I kind of lost that kind of like motivation yeah. to get, to go on and I didn't want to sort of be out there sort of doing sort of 22 23 minute miles getting in in the dark at sort of 1 or 2 o'clock so kind of and also just put my body through that unnecessary trauma as yeah. well so it kind of it, I, didn't, it, I didn't I didn't feel kind Downhearted, or disappointed, it felt like it was the right thing to do.
0: Well, we're ultra runners, aren't we? And we're—I think—we're in it for the long-term experience rather than smashing ourselves up too much.
2: And you've got to make—you've got—you've got got to make the right decisions as well. You can't like there's there's no there's no point me kind of just smashing through another thirty k and end up sort of like being on crutches, hobbling, and sort of like a. but, But so I'm able to do a bit today. So. He's
0: so he's come out he's come back out today if he's all strapped up he's shown me his hip flexor he's got a tracker and he's just going to see how he goes so i think you're going to get to 12k aren't you see how it is and then see what you want to do he might quit as He well. might quit. He might quit. He feel, he's feeling like he might yeah. quit as well. But
2: uh, you never know. I could, I could, have, a, I could have a caffeine gel and That's just kind it. of, and then, and then make it to 20. Smash it. <laughs> like, you win the thing today. <laughs> but, um, no,
0: listen, it's really... So this is the first time we've met, isn't it? And I'm sure it's not going to be the last. Um, he says he hasn't listened to the Black Trail Runners podcast, but by the time that this podcast comes out, which would be our second one, he will have listened to it. But, um... Well, I, I, like, in
2: my defence, in my defence... It only I was, came out yesterday, mate. It only came out yesterday, and I was a top, I was a top of Mount Tour with zero signal <laughs> and sideways wind, so... He had
0: other things on his mind, all right, yesterday. But um, that's Simba, and he's a member of the Black Trail Runners community, amazing ultra runner, and is here today at Ultra X. So um, we're going to see who else we can catch up with before we get both start our runs. So Sunny and I are 11.12 miles in. Josie Benson has just uh, passed us looking really strong. Sonny, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling like it's a nice Sunday morning stroll at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're in the Valley of Edale. I think we'll probably be heading up soon. Um, we've already summited Mam Tor and uh, Sonny's frightened me by saying maybe we're going to be going up Jacob's Ladder, which I've heard folklore about, but have never uh, ascended myself. Sonny.
2: I've not ascended it either. I've only come down it and that um, was hard enough.
0: <laughs> Sonny's very good at, at descending, um, which actually is something that we'll probably work on, a uh, proposed mountain kind of trail. Right. Well, actually, you will be working on it in a couple of weekends' time, won't you? Next weekend. One weekend, yeah. yeah. Next week. At the BTR trail running weekend, we will be looking at downhill running technique as well as uphill as well, so uh, get involved if this podcast is out in time. Um, but yeah, we will check in. Marcus has told me not to make it war and peace on these audio notes, so uh, we'll check in just over halfway, I think. So we're just over 19 miles All around us is what can only be described as Moorland Sonny, Mike, describing it right?
1: I think so, yeah We've Moorland,
0: got Heathland. Heathland Moorland Very rugged
2: Very red water
0: good. Really red water Why does it get red like that? Heat? Iron, I guess. Oh, iron, okay Yeah, yeah, we've... Uh, we're basically on our own, other than three women ahead who we keep doing and throwing with, which is kind of what happens in ultras, really. Um, they said it's their first one, fueling on gels, so uh, I think they're getting some real food in them. How you feeling, Sonny?
2: Yeah, not too bad. I could do the, a bit of trail where we could do a bit of proper running, I think. Yeah just in constant fear of turning an ankle here
0: yeah it's true so where we're running if you can kind of close your eyes and imagine it's big boulders little boulders loose rocks very narrow trods so little paths so it's really difficult to get into any kind of continuous running motion and Mr. Pitt has got his hundred in the next hundred and three weeks time, so he's our precious cargo. We've got to look after him. So yeah, we're just taking it nice and easy. We are almost five hours in, and uh, yeah, nineteen miles. So what, twelve miles to go if I got my calculations right? Oh, wrong, Pete, there's a bog here. Oh, yeah, I've gone way. the wrong way. here. Yeah? so. Checkpoint probably again in another three miles-ish. But yeah, we're doing all right. We're fine. It's a nice day. Weather is fine, gentle breeze, and uh, there are worse days to be out.
1: Today's guest is a former English triple jumper and was the first woman in the Commonwealth to jump over 14 metres. She competed in the European Indoor and Outdoor Championships, and the Commonwealth Games, where she narrowly missed out on a medal in 1998. She's a three-time World Championship finalist. She competed for Team GB at the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games. In 99, after leaving professional sport, she became a personal trainer to follow her passion. Outside of sport, she has three children and is married to an ex-professional Welsh rugby player. Today's guest is also an ambassador for Diabetes UK, and she's also one of the lead mentors for the Dame Kelly Holmes Trust. Michelle, welcome to the Checkpoint podcast.
3: Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank what, you. What an
0: intro. I feel like I need to go whoop, whoop, whoop.
3: Yeah, no, it's all right. That was back then. This is now. This is now now. this is now. 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 Keep it real.
1: I think, yeah, you got to celebrate where you came from as well. So uh, uh,
3: Absolutely. I do have to celebrate where I come from. And, and you know, I often say to people that, it's um, probably the journey that you have to celebrate more because it's the ups and downs along the road yeah. that make you who you are today. You know, so that's definitely something that I, um, I definitely do celebrate. I definitely do celebrate. It's not every day of the week that you can say you're an Olympian, so I guess I use that a little bit now and again. Um, and
2: yeah. it's
3: not, and it's not every day you can say you know you come from a working class background from Wembley and made it to Olympic games. So I think that's something that I do, <sighs> I do push out there. Yes, I will yes. push that out there.
1: Yeah. Definitely, something to be immensely proud of. And Thank just you. talking about the Olympic Games, I mean, 1996 was iconic for so many people. Yeah. Um, it was a big American event. And for me, you had Muhammad Ali there and he was Absolutely. there lighting the Olympic flame. I mean, what was it like to witness opening ceremony and did you actually get a chance to meet him?
3: Um, so I've got a story about Muhammad Ali, actually, which is quite a nice one. So Olympic Games, no, I didn't get a chance to meet him. I didn't go to the opening ceremony of, of, of the Atlantic Olympics because I was competing the next day. Uh, so, you know, it, it was too much to be walking around. And it, the, the opening ceremony is a big bonanza. It's huge. Everybody's there. But you are on your feet for like eight, ten hours because of security and everything else. So um, I, unfortunately, I wasn't there at the opening, but obviously I was there at the closing. Um, so I didn't get to meet Muhammad Ali. But 2012, my daughter and my husband got to meet Muhammad Ali. And my daughter's pitch and my daughter sits on Muhammad Ali's lap. And that was oh. because her godmother is Denise Lewis, who is Olympic champion. And Denise Lewis's husband is Steve Finan. And Steve Finan did some stuff with boxing and blah, 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 blah. Cut a long story short, about six or seven of them met in a room in London. And they met Muhammad Ali and his wife. And um, it was a very intimate celebration. And there's pictures of Eden with Muhammad Ali, because actually my daughter Eden's name is Eden Ali, after Muhammad Ali. Oh,
2: so my God. So oh, amazing. Michelle. Amazing. <laughs> crying.
0: Oh,
3: amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing.
1: What a beautiful story. And uh, it's so like, nice to have it sort of attached to the family as well. So uh, do you have, I imagine you must have photos of that as well
3: oh, we've got loads of photos of that. It, it was just like, we just couldn't believe it. I was expected to be really, when they said I was going to meet Muhammad Ali, I expected to be like, you know, 100 people, 200 people. I didn't know there's going to be seven of them intimate in a little hotel room in in central London. And so my daughter now says, she's got pictures, i blown up picture of her and Muhammad Ali. And she's like, I'm like, either I don't think you really understand how good this man was. I don't <laughs> think you really get it. I don't think you yeah. understand how good he was and what he stood for as well. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's, so and just Matt is named all of his children after people that are um, heroes of him. Yeah, and you know, and Muhammad Ali was one of them. So she's called Eden Ali. Oh, <sighs> how bloody
0: oh, amazing is that!
3: Good Such an
1: incredible story, right?
0: Thank and
1: you. Also, the last thing about the 1996 uh, Olympics was Michael Johnson's golden shoes. Now, um, so wear gold shoes. You've got to be confident. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. can't be there to, to compete, do you know what I mean, and take part. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, it, obviously he backed it up, you know, he won both the 200 mm-hmm. and 400 metre titles. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when you first saw the Golden Boots, because I think it's probably one of the first people to, to do something like that. I mean, what did you think?
3: I thought this is MJ. We, I mean, I know personally, I know Michael Johnson, we call him MJ, you know. Really, actually, a lot more quiet than the flamboyance of the gold shoes, gold spikes. Yeah. Um, but we always knew that if MJ puts those on, you know, he means business, you know. Yeah. So, and yeah. and it, it was almost like, in, you know, years later, we had Usain Bolt. You know, if Usain lines up, you know, he means business, you know. So um, I think uh, those gold spikes spoke for themselves. Um, and he'd gone on to be, you know, obviously one of the best ever 200, 400-meter runners, you know, we've, we've ever witnessed. And and yep. you know let let's call it out, you know. So um, those gold spikes definitely still sticking. And I remember us screaming and going, "Look at the time!" <laughs> like, you know, we were in the stadium when he ran it, and and we were like, "Oh my god!" There's complete euphoria. There's me, Denise, Jackie, Angie, Geraldine, Martin Richardson, Donna. Fraser. we were like, "Oh, can you?" It? all going completely crazy, like nutcases. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, hey. Hey, hey,
0: hey. But on the flip side of that then, let me ask you a question. When sure. Michelle Griffith Robinson means business, mm-hmm. right? When she means business, what does mm-hmm. she put on? Is there some form of clothing, some pair of shoes, some way you what what do you what does walk what, you walk into a room, how do people
3: know you mean business? Right. So I'm gonna talk about in my professional capacity, which so I've retired yeah. in I retired fourteen years ago from um athletic, professional athletics. So I retired 14 years ago and now I'm a life coach and um, I do a lot of motivational speaking. Um, I do a lot of inspiring talks and, I, you know, that's what I do. Yeah. When I walk into a room, I make sure I'm on my A game. And how I make sure on my A game is by how I dress. So I love fashion. There's no two ways about it. I love fashion. So the latest one, just before lockdown, I walked in February the 24th. I remember it really well. That's the last time I went into an office. I went into Nike's headquarters and I did a massive, massive presentation with the top eight master trainers in the world. And I went in there in a pink LK Bennett suit and Nike trainers. And so when I'm going in there, I'm going in there to be bold, bright, and I'm bringing it. Oh. <laughs> I'm bringing it. But bold, bright, and bringing it. That is
0: like my mantra now for the next, like the whole weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I. Love you, it. Know, you know, I've a marathon
1: next week. I'm taking that as well. Yeah, bring bowl, Marcus. Probably.
3: Bring it with you. Bring it with you. <laughs> bring it. You can, there's no, there's no two ways about it because I think for years and years, and and you know, this, this this comes down to you know, part of us as being black people, education, um, imposter syndrome. We've often mm. felt like, oh, let's dumb ourselves down yeah. and let's not be too loud. Uh, 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 uh. I'm mm. entitled to walk in there because I know what I'm going to deliver is going to be good. And that's not being big-headed. That's no. knowing your worth. Yeah,
0: it's claiming that space, isn't it? We're claiming oh, the space. Bold, amen. bright, bring it.
3: Amen. Own it, Love. And, and, own and that it. is no own it, and it's no comparison to anybody else. That's for yourself. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not compete. I'm not competing against anybody. Them days are competing are done. They're mm. over. Mm. Yeah. I don't care if you've got six hundred thousand followers on on Instagram. I don't business. <laughs> <laughs> what I care about is if, if I can impact one person, black, white, green, orange, to believe in their own agenda and believe, and unlock their true potential, hey ho, I've done great. Job
0: done.
1: Love I it. I love that. I love that. It's almost like, you know, for whatever your race is, it's like forget, you know, yeah. the generational sort of yeah. interplay that is. So just own who you are.
3: Own who you are and rock that with confidence. And that's one of the things that my mother, you know, who's 80 years old, has taught me so much. Michelle, own who you are. Be comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, I've had three sections, three caesarean sections. My stomach's wrinkly now. Yes, I'm still slim. Yeah, I'm in decent shape. But you know what? I feel more confident now than I did when I was 24 and in the best shape of my life. Because mm-hmm. it's about acceptance as well of who you are and no longer worrying about what's that person think of me? What's that boy looking at me for? Oh, days are done. Mm,
0: mm. and I think so, that happens
3: when you in your
0: 40s yeah so much re- so much resonation you know just synchronicity there in terms of what we say about you know with black trail running which we'll you know we'll go on to talk about but absolutely. about you know you may look around you may not see anyone right now that looks like you but you are worthy of being there claim your space you know take absolutely. up that space um, Absolutely, I love that, I love that.
1: Absolutely. absolutely agree. And just going back, I can imagine it as an athlete, managing your time to hone your skills was essential and was required at that time. But do you think now, looking back, it's ever okay to waste time?
3: No. (laughs) No, there's there's no time to waste. Um, uh, And and the reason why I say there's no time to waste, there's there's, there's always a time and an agenda to have downtime. There's always that time to have downtime. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's downtime. But as far as I'm concerned, in terms of wasting time, doing nonsense, worrying about nonsense, nah, put that to bed. You know, because life is precious, you know, guys. You know, let's be honest here, life is precious. There's some people that ain't make it to 48, 49. They're not making it. So they're worrying about this thing and worrying about... Actually, in the grand scheme of things, we ain't got no time to waste. I believe I'm on this earth for a purpose. So whilst I'm here, I'm going to make sure that everybody knows what my purpose is and I know my why. And that's Mm. why I feel more confident now in my ability, yeah, than ever. And I don't care if somebody else is doing X, Y, or Z. I'm not bothered. Yeah, I know why I'm here. What's my purpose? Mm,
0: Now you're just speaking my language like no keep your I, I say keep your why close by like because Amen. you you know because you you know we we all go through ups and downs we all have those days where we're like what what the hell am I doing this for what am I working you keep your why close by it's very That's very convenient. easy to remind yourself of that stuff now you're a woman after my ho- own heart I know my research I've done on you that you love music and love you love dancing as a form mm-hmm. of like relaxation. Yeah. If you had only, if I said to you, Michelle, till the end of time, you've only got one song mm-hmm. that I'm going to allow you on your playlist, whatever playlist uh, station you have, mm-hmm. what would it be? And the second part of that question, mm-hmm. based upon the current social distancing mm-hmm. group numbers of six,
2: mm-hmm.
3: who would
0: be six Mm -hmm. people that you would want to dance with and they can be
3: (laughs) anyone okay right so the the first question is very easy so i can answer that really quickly because i've actually put it in my will too optimistic sounds of blackness that's a song i love that yes that. (laughs) that is it that's it you don't even have to question that and ironically whenever my closest friends hear that song playing. They automatically think of me because they oh. know that is my tune. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Who'd my six be? My six would be, if I'm playing optimistic, my six would be, oh my gosh. My husband, Matt, right next to me. Yes. My three kids right next to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And my mama. Oh, yes.
2: That's, yes.
3: that's and like it. how Boris Johnson's called out the six, that's my six. Yeah, there you go.
0: Boom. You know it. You know, we, I think it's very easy for us when we're actually really think about it to know who those six would be. And I think yeah. that that says a lot about the values and, the you know, who we hold dear. And, and yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you've said, so we know what your favourite song is and we know who those six are. Now you and your, I mean, you and your husband are like relationship goals. I mean, I'm looking at you on Instagram and I'm like, right, I need to to get some of that in my life with my husband, because the best we're doing at the moment is like sitting down and watching EastEnders, which is no good for nothing. So um, what is, when you're with Matt or with the kids, what Mm -hmm. do you like to, you're sitting on the sofa, feet Mm -hmm. up, is there a favourite Oh, I want to call it like a Netflix binge or whatever, but is it, okay. do you have a favourite movie or TV thing mm-hmm. that you'd be like, yeah, that's that's if we were to watch some telly, this is what we'd be
3: watching. Quite simple again. So they're downstairs right now watching Family Reunion on Netflix. So that's what they're watching downstairs. Yeah, so they're actually a bit pissed off with me because I'm up here doing this. Oh so yeah, well yeah, they just will. Just let you guys know. So listeners, just let you guys know, I'm investing you guys. Yeah, but we've re- always got next Friday, so that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. The reason I it.
0: asked that question is because when we had Corey Waltering, who's this U.S. Um, ultra trail marathon runner, amazing yeah. guy, he admitted that he was like a bit of a Selling Sunset fan. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Selling Sunset, but it's this no. Netflix fly on the wall. Okay. Um, documentary about them selling like millions of millions of pound houses in in oh, hollywood wow. basically um and i never expected that so i'm all of these i'm just making a list of all the programs that people say so yeah. that
3: when i have, <laughs> no. uh, i'll tell you the truth sabrina if it's what? gonna be true, me and matthew's little show Come which we watch every winter and actually this reminder i will mention it because jimmy adams the former west indian cricketer he came and spent five years in Canterbury whilst he was the West Indian coach there, the um, Kent cricket coach there. And he used to come around and say, where's the programme? We are X Factor or The Voice fans. <laughs> that's our guilty pleasures. You love so, it. That's me and Matthews, Saturday night. we sit down, curry chicken, some rice and peas or curry goat and rice and peas. And now I can't have so much rice because I'm pre-diabetic. So curry goat and veg, a glass of Prosecco, X Factor or The Voice. That's me uh-huh. and Matthew. That's our programme. That's
0: there winter. you go. Winter. I love it. I love it. I love that. And actually, you know what? You answered my next question because I was going to say to you, post competition or post a speaking gig that you're like really, um, you know, buzzed about and it's gone well, or post, you know, I know that you and Matt do training sessions together. You do your yeah. own training sessions. I was going to say, what's your go to food? But you've, you basically, am I, have you already yeah, yeah. told us what that is?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I love a curry. I, I, <sighs> I love a curry goat or a curry chicken. That's, yeah. that, Matt likes little ackee and saltfish, so I'm making that. Um, mm. And actually, you know, if we're talking about other things, you know, I love just cooking. Yeah. So but just now, before I came up here, I made like a pot of soup. Yeah. Um, and a West Indian soup, so Matt likes that. So, and because we we, are, we grow up and we live, you know, the kids have grown up in a, in a predominantly white middle class area their whole life.
2: Mm. So it's
3: very important for us to still make sure that they identify with things that my mother taught me or my father taught me. So you know Caribbean food, Caribbean cultures. You know those little idiosyncrasies. It's mm. important for them to still be exposed to that, mm. so that they know actually where their grandparents have come from. What's their heritage is quite important for me in that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. As you said, you know, you've said to me before, and you said tonight, you know, you live in, you know, just off, you know, just off. it's more. Yeah. At ex- ex- moral, yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, so is has that been? you know, as a a mum too, obviously it's really, really important in order to kind of, you know, in order to educate, in order to ensure that our children spend as much time around, you know, Mm -hmm. other people of our race, et cetera, et cetera. How difficult is that to do
3: living where you live? Well, to be honest with you, it's very difficult because there's there's very few people and certainly families that look like us. There's other, you know, we we live and work in a boarding school. There's Mm -hmm. other black kids in the boarding school, not a lot, a handful, what, what, 10 kids maybe in total. But I think the important thing to recognize is that once we've got the connection, like Matthew's father's in Jamaica, his, his, his Matthew's grandmother's in Jamaica, every Sunday we're on Zoom mm-hmm. or we're on FaceTime to them. So, and we do prayers with them online and stuff. So they've got that connection with their, their Jamaican family. My mm-hmm. parents are in London. They've got that connection. A lot of my friends are black as well. A lot of my friends are in interracial marriages as well. So, mm. what I really want more than, of course, it's very important for me for them to know where they're coming from. And, and we go back to the Caribbean very often, Jamaica, or Barbados. We, we often go. But what's probably more important for me, apart because we're black, we're all black in our family, so mm-hmm. you know we're not going to we're not going to dissipate, we're not going to lose that. But I think what's more important, and I'm going to say this, is for my children to be around be around good people. Yes. Yeah. I want them to be around good people. So they'll know their culture, they'll know their background, they know their heritage, because that goes without saying. Mm. But I equally when we just say, oh, you need to be a black family. No, they need to be around good people. So a lot of our closest good people, closest friends are in Wales and they're white. They're white yeah. Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. But I want them to be around good people. That's that's my probably my biggest thing. You need to know who good people what good people look like. And good mm. people are not necessarily oh a black person a white person, a mixed race person, they just need to be new and good people. Yeah. I think, and that's that's what I want to promote. Um, You need good people in your corner that have got your back and if they so happen to be black, great. If they so happen to be white, great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Marcus,
0: sorry, we've been chatting away here. Are you still there?
1: Yeah, no. I've been really interested to listen to what you're saying and it made me think really of like, we spoke about grandparents and I think you know, to know yourself, you really need to know your parents and Absolutely your grandparents not. before you're. You can know where you're going.
3: Amen. And it's so important. You know, you need to know the road of travel. Some, I, you know, I say to my mum, I say, "Mummy, share some of your stories." Like, when, you know, when you were a, like a nurse uh, on night duty, share your stories with my kids. You know, about racism that she encountered and everything else. And she'd be like, "Well, I remember finishing night duty and I had a twenty pound note. And those days I had plenty money. That's how she'd say, mm-hmm. Plenty money.'" And I'd go to get on the bus and a man with Terence and said to me, no, unfortunately, you can't come on the bus, but not in this way. He wouldn't say it so politely, that. he'd just say, yeah, no, yeah. you're not getting on because of your da-da-da. And my kids yeah. are like, what, because of your colour, grandma? And she's yeah. like, yeah, so it's important for them to know the journey, to know where we're at today. And even then, you know, we've still got the conversation that's still not gone anywhere, you know, yeah. about, you know, the whole George Floyd, Black Lives yeah. Matter. We're still talking about the same thing, but hopefully, there's a glimmer of hope that. For our children and their children, that one day there will be parity, that we do not have to talk about people's color as a thing. Mm.
0: Oh God, I, I, that's what I'm, that's what we work for, isn't it? That's what we work for Absolutely. for our children, our children's children. Is that you know, Marcus and I have, have, have discussed before with you know other our co-founders, of Black Trail Runners. Like you know, we you know we long for a day we don't you know we don't have to have a Black Trail Runners because Absolutely. we have that equality, we have that equity, we have that parity, um, and it's just you know it's it's all runners, you know. But the reason that we're here, the reason BLM exists. Is is because there isn't though that equality there isn't that there you, you know um,
1: absolutely. absolutely agree um so you've been quoted as saying uh in your sporting career that your sole focus was uh, perform at the best of your ability each and every time mm-hmm. and when you look back at what you needed to be an elite athlete do you think in regards to mindset uh, do you think it's best to have a fixed or a flexible mindset to achieve your goals?
3: you got to have a flexible mindset. You've got to have a flexible mindset to achieve your goals, but you do have to be driven. You have mm. to have a mindset that thinks, okay, I need to go where I've never been before. And that's difficult. You know, I, I look around it now, just talk about, you know, me just going out training now, I train three, four times a week, sometimes five times a week, but there's no pressure on me going. I just do it because I love training. I love feeling good. But when you're in that environment that you have to, it's your job you have to show up, turn up and do your best. That's a different set of pressures that come with that. Mm. So uh, mm. you do have to have the flexible mindset, You, but you, equally, you've got to know, like you said, your why. Exactly that. You need to that's know your it. why. Yeah. Yeah. What's your why? What's your why behind it? And I think that's probably why over the years, you know, you turn up to training, you give your best, you know, why you've got your Dean Asher Smith that come out and perform because her why is clearly etched in, in her mind. She knows why she's turning up to training. Why is she mm-hmm. going to these competitions, Because yeah. she wants to deliver and be the best she can be.
1: Totally agree. And I was sort of thinking as well, now with the Olympics being postponed next year and we're not quite sure what's happening, if you're uh, sort of competing in today's day, I mean, how would you maintain that sort of flexible mindset with just the uncertainty with the Olympics?
3: Well, I think the, the, the flexible mindset has to be... Um, uh, I wouldn't even call it the flexible mindset let's talk about the Olympics next year you've got to just say control what you can control Mm. and that's one of my favourite mantras control what you can control the controllable so it's not in their remit whether the Olympics goes ahead or or not next year but what's Mm. in their remit what's within their own control and their own power is how well they train what position they're going to be in come selection are you going Mm. to be ready
2: Mm.
3: yeah because that's within their control the rest of it, yeah. Marcus, really and truly isn't in their control. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're number one in the world or number two in the world. If they say the Olympics is off, it's off. Yeah. So, you know, it's about that having that. So it's about having the mindset that I'm going for the Olympic Games, but I guess then I, I would change it and say having coping strategies just in case it doesn't go ahead. Mm, yeah. Mm. That, that's it's, the real deal. It's so beautiful that you've said that because literally,
0: just before we came on to this recording, Marcus and I were talking about, you know, the next six months and the news that was out this week and how it just feels a lot of people are a bit down at the moment, a bit down over the last couple of weeks. It's like, you know, even from a training perspective, me, you know, uh, my my spring marathon's been postponed, you know, I'm, I'm asking myself, well... You know, almost, and I'm driven. Like, oh, what's the point? You know, but so, yeah. what advice would you, Michelle, and you're a PT life coach, motivational speaker. Um, yeah. What What advice would you give
3: people who are just like, oh God, you know, now what? Yeah, Is it, I, I, yeah. I, Well, it's a really good. Um, it's a really good question, Sabrina. To be honest with you, I would say to many people again, control what's within your power to control set yourself small target goals that you know you can achieve, irrespective of what the government tell you. Mm. So, you know, unless we go into a complete lockdown again, we and, and even with the complete lockdown, you're allowed at hours training. So maybe turn around and say, right, you know what, Irris- irrespective, regardless of what they come in, I'm going to get out and do a half an hour run, and I'm going to time it. It's going to be quicker than the time I did before. So setting yeah. small achievable goals. So yeah. maybe the big looking forward to like the the marathon in New York or whatever, might be a long, long way away. Mm. But being able to say, right, I want to get around my block in 15 minutes instead of instead of 17 minutes. So setting yeah. small goals that's within your environment that you can control yourself. Because mm. that keeps you motivated. That's what keeps people motivated. And I say to my clients all the time, what does it look like to you? What, what will it mean to you if you can't, can't do X? Well, I feel absent, deflated. So what could you do then? So what else could you do that you can take control of? Because I think the reason why we feel demotivated sometimes is because you know what? We haven't got no goal. There's no real. What's it That's for? It. What's the purpose? What's it? What are we doing this for? But the goal might be actually looking at a shorter term goal. So I want to increase my five k time, or actually I'm going to change it up, and I want to be able to do a hundred press ups. I want to be able to do five pull ups. So I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on that. So almost redefining your goal and not just making it solely about the running. So maybe there's mm. other aspects of the of you as a whole person. That will then eventually um, increase your running capacity by making yourself stronger, your hamstrings better. So there's different little things that I would say you can work on. And at the same time, that then keeps you motivated to keep within the game. Because it's hard. And actually, guys, some days it is bloody hard. You can't be bothered. Accept those days too.
0: Exactly. Exactly. They're there for a reason, aren't they? They are there there for a
3: reason. And these conversations that we're having now, maybe we need to make sure, get a team around you so that you can be held accountable. So you've got, oh. everyone's got a team that keeps you accountable and you can say, oh, I've got your back.
0: You're answering the question. My next question to you was, I'm looking at it now and I'm like, it's like you're we're psychic. Because I was going to say to you, how important then in that in that goal setting, in that small chunking it down into achievable wins, I was going to ask you, how important do you think having this close-knit community or tribe of people and maybe the wider the community how how important is that in terms of us being able to reach whether it's an activism goal whether it's uh to change the game when it comes to black people in trail running whether it's just to go out and smash a 5k faster how important is that community
3: very important and why because it holds you accountable there's no i in team. Mm. there's no I in team so if there's a team of you together you almost feel empowered uplifted supported yeah mm. and I mm. always say to people you know I'm coaching a couple of girls right now Live coaching a couple of girls right now That only recently started coaching them and they say to me so Michelle what are you going to do for me I said I'm not going to do anything for you I'm just going to be your travelling companion yeah all I'm going to do is your travelling companion you've got the answers I'm just travelling next to you and, and I'll travel that journey with you wherever that journey chooses to take you I'll travel it with you and I think that's the important thing: being accountable. So they know that they're checking in with me two, three times a week, yeah, two, three times a month, whatever it might be. It's habit that that keeps you going. Yeah, there's very few people that can keep going. Just them, a one man band. Yeah, very few people. We all need people around us. We all need to feel supported. I need to feel that. You know what? My husband's got my back. Mm. Yeah, and mm. my husband and I and I'm okay to feel vulnerable in anything I do because I think you know what? My husband will catch me. Yes. They'll be there to catch me. I've yeah. got my girls. I've got my Denises. I've got my mafias I've got my Jackies. I've got my Carolines that are there. That when I need something, I've got my Nicky's That when I need something, they're there to catch me.
0: And it's so important, isn't it? I mean, especially in this time, as as Black people dealing with the dealing with what's going on out there in the world. You know, you know, the Absolutely. last couple of days with Breonna Taylor and the oh. impact that that's had on us oh. as a race, and 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 the importance to be able to share. With other black people that experience and that, 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 you know, no matter how much people want to understand, there's only a certain level that they can get to and that, that you need, you know, your community around you as you well. You
3: need your community. You know, I've, I've been blessed for many years to have um, some brilliant women, not just in sport. You know, I've got my best friend, Little Mish and they call her Little Meesh because she's smaller than me, but we both call Michelle. <laughs> you know, and uh, she's five foot one or five foot two. How old? Is she? I can't remember how tall she is, but she's a little bit, a little bit. You know, yeah. and so I've got little Mish there that's always been in my corner, and I'm I'm blessed to have her that I can turn to anytime I need need her to turn to me. Yeah, and yeah. then I've also got you know my my track and field friends who who have been always around me, who I've grown with and seen them grow with. Yeah, for, I've had them. I've also got my mum. That's my best friend, my confidant. My, my everything is my mummy I just love her I've got my an amazing sister-in-law um called pretty who just really looks out for me and uh, and cherishes me I've got my brothers, so I feel very supported you know I've got mm. my sister-in-law's you know I, I feel supported in a lot of a lot of my journey And have mm. equally in my own house I feel supported
1: yeah
0: yeah which is it starts at home doesn't it it starts it, it starts at home amen
1: I've- Absolutely, I think yeah, community. Like you said, I mean, you just put it so beautifully. Uh, But something that you said about "there's no I in team" it made me think of something that um, Kobe Bryant said to Shaq. Um, Mm -hmm. He said, uh, "There's no I in team," but he said, "There's an M and an E in there."
3: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I thought that was so cheeky, but I mean, he's such a brilliant mind, and um, obviously, it's such a loss to the world that you know he passed this year. Um, yeah, and just sort of looking back and even sort of seeing his sort of mindset in, you know, The Last Dance when it was featured and just yeah. seeing some of his old content, um, yeah. he was just an incredible competitor, you know, from yeah. wanting yeah. to be his best but, do you know what I mean, wanting to compete. I mean, yeah. how did you kind of manage that in your sort of, um, your athletic career?
3: Well, I think, you know, I wanted to be the very best um, I could be and, and I, I, you know, obviously I wasn't. I had a lot of disappointments as well along the road. And, um, um, I guess it was about dealing with it. I don't know. Some days I didn't deal with it. Let's be honest here. This is a very mm. frank conversation. Some days yeah. I didn't deal with it very well, guys. I've got to be honest with you. And, and I felt quite lonely at times when, when I wasn't, when I was underperforming, um, Quite a lot, it's quite pressured being at the top as well of your game. You know, at one point Mm -hmm. I was breaking British record after breaking British record. Then all of a sudden I was rubbish. I wasn't jumping very well. Then I was always a number two to Ashia Hansen. So, and I guess you just deal with it as it comes, you know, because it's actually real life, isn't it? It's real life. It's real life, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I didn't deal with it great. I didn't deal with it great. Other times I felt I did, but other times I felt, you know what? This 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 shit is hard, man. It's hard. It's tough. Mm. But, being at the, but being at the top is hard, anyway, isn't it? Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know what they say. You know, the higher you are, the harder you fall, isn't it? It is. It's, it's true. you know, and that can happen daily. It doesn't need to be you know the top of a competition. It doesn't need to be you're a Absolutely. CEO of a company. But it can happen to us daily, and and I yeah. think that. One of the things that I know that you will have seen, uh, I, I think that you will have seen and that we've seen in terms of, you know, you put yourself out there, you put yourself out there for a cause you're passionate about because yeah. you want to facilitate change and you're willing yeah. to lend your voice or your platform to do that. And there are people out there that want to deny you, to deny you Where your lived experience, done? deny you, you know, to call oh. you a liar or call you, you know, you're woke or, or, or whatever it might be. And And you can apply that to all areas of life, can't you? There are going to be people that will want to, Pull you off that, yeah. You know, pedestal, or they'll want to pull you down. And 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 again, you know, going back to what you said, this is where you need that community to kind of help to remind you and you keep yeah. that why close by.
3: Yeah, I think um, it, 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 there, you're always going to get people that project negativity onto you, and that that don't want to see you do well. And I think the one great thing that's happened, I guess, over lockdown is it gives you, it's given us enough time to reflect and review. Mm. And I think mm. when you reflect and review uh, on, on these situations and you think, actually, who's in my life that I need in my life? I don't really need that person in my life. I haven't really spoken to them. It gives you a chance to really start thinking and re re-evaluating, you know, mm. because, it, but what can you do about those people that don't want to see you do well? Absolutely well, nothing. 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 Again, nothing. what do I say to you guys? Control what you can control. Exactly.
0: Well, so you know what I say to them. I say to them, I flick my hair, and that that actually is a great segue because there is something that I know is a common in- issue between you and I because we talked about it, and that is, I'm, you know, you're um, a yeah, personal train, you know, you like training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You've got the the sharpest haircut at the moment. Yeah. I've got <laughs> natural hair too. It's longer. It's crazy, but. I know that I have had my issues and I know other black women and men as well will have had their issues when they are competing in sport, which is hard work um, when it comes to our hair. Now this is something, there's been many books written about it, but it's one of the things that is, is a barrier, isn't it? It's a barrier Uh, to those sports. So what, what reactions, um, have you seen, and, and, and other kind of barriers that you've seen to black men and women taking up fitness, sport in general, in your yes. time as an athlete, as a personal trainer, hair being one of them, especially for women. Yes. Um, and can you yes. explain a little bit about that to our listeners who might not understand what we're saying when we talk about the issues yes. that we as as black women have with our hair?
3: So it, I think this goes back historically. You know, um, when you're younger, as a, as a little black girl, we always wanted this long hair. And I think the long hair comes from that whole that whole attachment with long length and long hair and quality of hair comes from slavery days. Yeah. So if your hair was slightly looser and longer, it meant it probably meant that you had some form of mixed You so you had the, the hierarchy. You probably looked upon as a, as a better, better person, better yes. complexion. You know, cooly hair, all these type of things that we we grew up with. Um, and I think more nowadays we're more accepting of actually, guys. This is my black hair, curly, tight, natural, yeah. Afro hair, that I absolutely love. I'm not mm. straightening it, I'm not relaxing it to look like the white person on the street, the white girl with mm-hmm. long hair. I wanna rock my own hair. However, with having hair like mine, maybe long, big, long, big Afro, whatever, like my daughter said mm-hmm. comes challenges with it, comes challenges with it. So going swimming to my daughters is, mum, when I got to go swimming, I can't get it all in the swimming cap, so I bought a big swimming cap. It still gets wet. The hair then gets crusty, as they call it. Yeah, yep. it gets dry. So, in yep. essence, if I'm, if I'm talking to to a normal person on the street doesn't know about black hair, when our hair gets wet, it gets shrinkage, it gets harder to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, than a white person's hair who's naturally straight to start with, where you could just, in fact, you just brush it through, fling it yeah. back in one, and you're wash and go, you're gone. Yeah. A black girl's hair would take three times as much effort and time and still it will be out of control
2: yeah. so
3: what I've done as a mother is I've encouraged my black daughters who've got a lot a lot of hair we cannot allow our hair to stop us from finding all the fun mm. yeah mm. so I've said we need to find a way to manage that situation so if need be we have to comb it up and put it in two big blacks yeah and accept the fact that it's not that you have to do it here on the weekend or every two weeks. Yeah, you can't go and wash it every time you go swimming. But we've got yeah. to go swimming because that's actually we're then missing out on the fun. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not I'm not a huge surfer, but I'll go surfing. I now my hair's short. There's no barriers for me. My hair wash and go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's done. Yeah, but I do know because Alice Deering is, is 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 a, is a um a Twitter associate on Twitter with me, who's a yeah. big GV swimmer. She spoke about her hair and why the barriers of black girls as well, having it and having hair and how how it can stop you from going to do all these sports, etc., etc. As soon as a black girl runs and she's just got her hair relaxed, the front of it goes all crinkly. That's it? As soon as. So therefore then it becomes a barrier. Then they have to yes. put it in extensions. That's long. That's an all day thing. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. And it hurts. And it hurts. It's too tight on the head. Yeah. So actually... All of these things, we are now slowly dissipating and getting rid of all these things. And we're now embracing the fact of we've still got our weave in our hair or our, yeah. our plaques in our hair, but we're not. We're starting to say, you know what, Stop that, I want to be part of this fun. My yeah. health is more important to me than my hairdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanna... love that. There's a line there as well. <laughs> it's, got, it's got to be your health, be more important than your hairdo. Of I need course. to move away. I want to get involved in stuff. I want to join the community. I want to go on these big walks. I want to go on these big runs. How can I allow my hair to stop me from doing this? Mm. To find mm. a solution. And it's yeah. not always a perfect solution. Don't get me wrong. For me, my hair's easy. Yeah, like I said to you, shop, 12 pound, 15 pound, I'm done.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: its it know, is hard.
1: Education for nothing about this. I've got nothing to add to this. conversation. I,
0: I, <laughs> I was going to say, Marcus, come in anytime. But I know what you mean. It's like you know, I go out and do these multi-day ultra marathons. You know, if it's abroad, um, you know, or or even if I'm camping overnight, like in the Peak District, I was at the weekend. Like, you know, my hair—it's dry. It's you yeah. know, it's it's natural, and I come back home, and it, it takes me ages to you know, like wash it, detangle mm-hmm. it, the deep Thank conditioner you. in it. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, that's not going to, even though I have to do that, I've spent a day out doing what I love, like being, yeah, you know. seeing the world and seeing parts of the countryside that they
3: tell us that black people are, don't yeah, belong, you. you know, right. and, yeah, oh, and, yeah. And, and, that, and that's where we come in and it's our job to say to people, what's the worst that can happen? Your hair yeah. might take a bit longer to dry. Yeah.
2: You, you know,
3: yeah. Yeah, your hair might be messy. But you're gaining an experience that you could then pass on to the other little black girl out there, that's and that's it. where it's important for me. That's it. You're, right. yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you, Marcus. You're, you're more than welcome to go in now. <laughs> I've,
1: I've got nothing you, to add to that,
3: Marcus. I've got really nothing to to you, but I know you're listening and, and in agreement, so that's all good. Yeah.
1: I've got a daughter, so this is probably like good uh, knowledge for me for down the line. So uh, no, thank you for sort of for passing the knowledge. And I just want to go back to something you touched on earlier in regards to. Um the challenges of you know being an athlete and you didn't always manage it well and I think it's great for our listeners to to hear that because mm-hmm. you know it's so relatable mm-hmm. but when you sort of look at it now I mean challenges are obviously a part of life and they Hopefully. play a part of sport mm-hmm. um is there a difference between how you dealt with challenges uh, as a competing elite athlete an Olympian to compare mm-hmm. to how you can you deal with challenging moments now as a former Olympian
3: Wow I love that great question Marcus so um, I think maturity is the answer to that. Um, the reason why I handle things better now than when than then is because I've matured. I've got I've utilised the experiences that have happened in my life where I've gone wrong or you know I haven't made the best choices because I think that's one of the biggest things here, choices where I've made the wrong choices, made the wrong decisions, and I've utilised all those years of experience. And now I'm able to reflect on that and think actually I would do it differently now, and that's about maturity for me. I've matured. So now because of maturity, I'm now able to not flash the handle so quickly, be able to be a lot more objective, not be so judgmental, be a bit more inviting, feel that, don't feel so entitled. You know, so all these things have happened and they've happened to me because of maturity. So I handle things completely differently. And and if I fail, if, if I have a, a, a failure now, I would just say, OK, guys, I'm not great at everything. And I put my hands up. Um, I can own that I'm not great at, great at things. I'm rubbish at computers, guys. Let me put it out there. <laughs> yeah? But I damn well know what I am good at. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So, so actually, I don't hold on to that. on oh, I'm really poor at this. Whereas before, I would say, oh, I'm really poor at this. And I'd make it start digging me deeper, deeper, deeper. No. No. And that insecurities as a younger child. Through childhood issues or whatever may have happened, you sometimes build up this insecurities. And you have this internal dialogue that sometimes comes out negative, And then you almost play that. Now you're older, you get to look at it and think actually a bit more objectively. Why am I behaving like that? And you're able to reflect like I said to you before and almost diagnose and say to yourself, right, that's being a bit silly. Being a bit, mm. ris- be realistic. Come on.
1: Yeah, it's like you can almost separate um, the um, dialogue <laughs> they had as a child to, to as you are now because you can sort of see what's true and what's not true.
3: There you go. There you go. You know, mm. I often say to people, "What's the evidence behind this? Where's your evidence behind this? Why are you feeling that way? Where's your evidence behind this?"
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Love yeah. that. I love that.
0: You know what? We talk about, and I've, I know you've, you you use it, I use it, and I was even reading a piece today by a um, uh, Olympian that I was I was speaking to earlier, who I'm doing some work with UK Athletics with, mm-hmm. and we talk we were talking about, you know, representation. You can't be what you can't okay. see.
2: You know, Absolutely. you can't
0: be what you can't see. What Absolutely. do you see, Michelle, as the as some of the main access barriers for minorities in
3: outdoor sports? Um, I think in out, the, the 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 barriers are there's not enough people doing them. Mm-hmm. So you know, like I said, you know, you can't you can't be what you can't see. It's very or it's very difficult, I should say. Of course, you can, of course, you can. There's not doing it, but it's more difficult. Um, so. In terms of athletics, it's easy to go to the athletics track. There's loads of black kids that do athletics. So, you know, that's easy. But in rowing, in sports like rowing, you know, there's very few black kids that row. And it's a mm. private school. My kids go to private school. There's no embarrassment about that. They're, they're in a fortunate position they go to private school. But yet again, there'll be very few black kids that will go to private school and play lacrosse mm. and play hockey. You look at the hockey team now. Yeah, I don't think there's been a black person in the hockey team since Kerry Williams and I'm fortunate enough that Kerry Williams is one of my closest friends. She's one of the brand marketing managers um, for Nike. Mm-hmm. But Kerry retired 10 years ago. There's never been another black person, I don't think, since then. Mm. Yeah, Another friend of mine, Ebony. Ebony for Jewel, cricketer. Yep. There's nobody that looks like Ebony. There's never been another black person since she was in there. Yeah. Isha, Asian girl. So therefore, even though these guys have been there, there's still very, very few and far between. So it's very hard to... So, how does a little black girl like my daughter then think actually wouldn't mind playing a bit of cricket when in fact nobody looks like her. Mm. So that's why I'm saying visibility matters, but it's also the job of the coaches to almost make them feel comfortable to own their space. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. It's something, it's something that actually in the, 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 the discussions that I've been having with UK Athletics in terms of showcasing, you mm-hmm. know, we associate, you know, black people with like 100 meter, you know, or the, the sprints, yes. et cetera. But, you know, where are the black shot putters? You know, where are the black javelins? You know, where are the, you know, where it's about empowering and amplifying the fact that sport is for everyone. We, we, are, we should not be stereotyping based upon the colour of our skin, you know. Uh,
3: absolutely. And that's equally down to us as well, as black yeah. people. So, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not pushing all the blame onto white people here. Because mm. this is not an anti-white thing. This is about mm. a parity thing. Yeah? yeah. I, w- I want parity. Also, as well, I would say to black people as well that may be listening, guys, sometimes we pass on from what we've experienced.
2: Mm.
3: It's time for us to let those go and think, actually, nothing wrong with you trying that. Come on, why not? Why yeah. can you not be this? Why can you not be the first that? And I get that too. I understand that too. But it's time for us to change our mindset as well and say, no, my daughter deserves to be there. Come on. Yes, yeah. she deserves to go to Oxford or Cambridge. Yes, she deserves to be a people chaser. Why can't she?
0: Yes, but she we did- have to change the game, don't we? Because if we keep That's doing what we've always done, we'll get what we always got, which is not having not are. having parity, not having equality, Not you know, it's...
3: There you go. And it, it's all of those things that we, we... It it takes time. And I said this to you the other day on the phone, Sabrina what we have to understand. We are not going to get equality overnight. It's take it's over 400 years since slavery and we're still having the conversation. Mm. However, we need to see small steps. And those small steps can have a massive ramification on the way people view the world. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I'm a big advocate of small steps lead to big action, you know, big change.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That's really powerful. And I really just like the idea of just like being mindful and being aware and changing that narrative, that dialogue and just the way kind of you perceive sort of things. I I think that's a really powerful way to to move forward. And something I was just thinking about, um, I'd imagine as a black athlete, you and probably other athletes as well experienced racism, direct or indirect. And Mm -hmm. and I was going to sort of say, well, what experiences you have, but then I'm sort of thinking wider than that really, because I could imagine depending on, the person and where they are in their career, mm-hmm. if they are to call things out, then it does have an impact on mm-hmm. their sponsorships because mm-hmm. it is their mm-hmm. livelihood. And I just wanted to know what the impact of that is like because, on one hand, it can be quite constraining. But then you look at someone, say, like Lewis Hamilton, who's mm-hmm. top of his game and is able to speak out.
3: Mm-hmm. it's um it's a, it, That's a really good topic to talk about. So, in track and field, I didn't feel um, any racism, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I felt um, I felt that sometimes I, I got a lot of competitions because I had big breasts and it was opening that my agent would tell me and say, oh yeah, 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 go to Rome because they want you. So the sexism was there. I felt that more as an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, they'll they want you there because they, they want a, a nice black woman with, with big breasts jumping. And you just, ha, 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 ha. You laugh. Yeah. It up and it's only now you look back and think, what a blasted cheek. Yeah. 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 But but that's on reflection again because maturity kicks in. Yeah. However, I know, and and this is my husband's personal experience, I know that my husband, who was a a very good um, international rugby player, he potentially got dropped from having more caps for Wales because he was outspoken black man, because he challenged. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes, and in a sport like rugby where it is subjective rather than objective, they can drop you for just opening your mouth. In something like the triple jump, let's use the triple jump, the long jump sprinting, they they can't really drop you if you're the best. Yeah. Yeah. but If you jump 14 metres, you're going to the Olympic Games. If you jump 1399, you're not going. It's quite clear. The parameters are very, the the parameters are there, the boundaries are there. You jump past 14 metres, you're going. And that's what I love about my sport. I struggle with things like hockey, cricket, netball, where it's somebody else's opinion of you that puts you in the team. I struggle with that because I do know that sometimes people are judging and potentially judge you because of the color of your skin. Yeah. And that is I'm putting that out there. It's it's it's
0: I'm glad you are because it is absolutely the conversations that I've had the conversation the things that I see you know, I can come here or I can, or, and you, Michelle and and Marcus, you know, we can be outspoken about these things, you know, because we are only answerable to ourselves, you know, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that I'm not dependent upon branding and sponsorship and all of that. So I can go out there and call people out and, and you do. And, but, you know, almost it's, we do that as for, for, the future for generations, but we do that for the people that can't as well, or the people that feel as though at the moment they might have their hands tied because they're reliant absolutely. upon this and that, Um and that's that's the work, isn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and, and and it comes down it comes down to that that you know exactly what you said. Sometimes we are we are so scared, you know, people are so scared to speak out because of being dropped by sponsors. You know, oh yeah, uh, and you're probably being told from your agent, oh, don't say that because of X, yeah. Y, and Z. I had a situation recently, and I'm actually going to wait to hear back. A situation in the supermarket where somebody literally uh, said to me they want to see my receipt. So almost accusing me that of stealing, really. That's how they're <laughs> going to steal. This was two weeks ago. Um, I rang I rang my PR lady. I said to her, right, how do I deal with this? She said to me, right, I'm going to write a letter off the head office. We'll wait and hear what they say. It's not, we go public. Because this, this racial profiling has to stop. It has to stop. It has to stop. And straight away now, I... I beforehand, I might think before Black Lives Matter, before um, this whole movement with, with George Floyd, I might have thought, oh, I don't want to say that because I don't want to. No longer.
0: Yeah. No, no, what, we
3: can't be. Yeah. We cannot because George Floyd cannot die, have died in vain. Breonna Taylor cannot have died in vain. No. They have allowed us a platform to speak and speak our truth. Yeah, Shout, yeah. yeah. Speak our truth and you know, I still can't even really get my head around the whole Brianna Taylor injustice oh, for her and her yeah. family. You yeah. know, I can't get my head around it. But in time, we will process it. And it's about how it's done. We cannot go out there and be the aggressors. That's how right. they want to depict us as the aggressors. How right. we have to go out there and say, how would you like it if this was your daughter? Yeah.
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah, that's it that's it it's as much as we can to to amplify the message to amplify why this is so wrong from a human human (laughs) just yeah yeah yeah, a human level and and continue to have those uncomfortable continue to call people out and continue to be brave and
3: fearless around that you know absolutely you know and there's right and there's wrong and there's right and there's wrong you know some things are just right some things are just blatantly wrong yeah yeah. yeah, but we do have to have these uncomfortable situations and actually it's time for white people to start feeling uncomfortable because we've felt uncomfortable for x amount of years there you go
0: that's it that is absolutely it um michelle
1: that's a we- bugbear, <laughs> be sorry to interrupt Sabrina. it's like especially with stuff on social media you get people saying oh you know i'm feeling uncomfortable about saying this or i feel uncomfortable that you've been calling me out but i would say to people well when I was like four or five and I got racially abused and nothing happened, <laughs> yeah. do you exactly. think I had the time to be, you know, exactly. to process yeah. it and be yeah. uncomfortable? Exactly.
3: So you can yeah. deal with it
1: now as an adult.
3: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, Marcus. Absolutely. How do you think a four or five-year-old feels when they're being excluded? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you can't yeah. play them because you're brown. Yeah. 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 You know. And you're thinking, what do you mean? I just want to play hopscotch. Uh, yeah. What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. And now you're That's uncomfortable that. with your big, hardback self?
0: Get used to it. Get used to it. The final question, Michelle, because we want to get you back downstairs with the family watching family reunion. One more question. So you know we've set up black trail runners. Um, and our goal is not about division, it's not to be divisive. We Mm -hmm. want to increase inclusion, participation, and representation of black people in trail running. Mm -hmm. What advice
3: would you give us Mm -hmm. to work towards that goal? Okay, so quite, quite. This I'm going to say it's quite simple, but it might not be simple. So forgive me if I go on, but I mean it. It's coming from a good place. Yeah. Number one, you guys need to be having the conversations with um, running clubs.
0: Yeah.
3: Running clubs, number one. That's where I think it needs to be going to. Wh- where's the clubs? Where's the runners at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need the runners club. Letting yourself know the events, getting the events out there, speaking to mm-hmm. people like Women's Health. Claire Sanderson yeah. had a big chat with her the other day. Getting her to do a big piece on it. Mm -hmm. Doing your research about the areas. Going into schools, having a chat with schools. Guys, have you got any black girls that like to run? Black boys that like to run? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Before, when we were growing up, it was always the stereotypical Kenyans. Ethiopians that ran. Yeah. There's loads of people that can run. But actually, we want to see them transition on into adulthood running. Not just Mm -hmm. when they're young, young kids. We want to see them transition into adulthood. So it's about getting the message out there that is, guys, give it a go. Give it a a try. Yeah. And this is why I said to you before, I'm definitely for my black people, 100% for my black people. But also we have to step outside our comfort zone ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we have Mm. to feel supported. And if, if there's people like yourselves and Marcus out there, that can then look, they can look out and they can see you guys out there. Why would they not want to try it?
0: Yeah.
3: Why would they not want to try it? Yeah.
0: That's some great advice and certainly, you know, that grassroots level, that running club Absolutely. level, that reaching out to oh. kids level is certainly something we fundamentally know that we and, you know, we have plans to to, to start doing that and to, uh, talking to some interesting people that can help us there. And because it's 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 grassroots up and it's top down, you know, and to, and, and all Amen. of that work, you know, makes the action happen.
3: Absolutely. And then on top of that, you say to some of your runners that you've got there now, they might have kids bring along your child to a smaller event. Yeah. Because they might have a yeah. love for it. So so straight away you, you, you tap into your community because you've already got them there. Yeah. So you've got, your, you've got your black mums and dads that have come along. Ch- they might have a child. That's it. Bring two. your kids.
0: Yeah. Bring, bring your bring kids. The, let's do, yeah, let's do a fun event.
3: Yeah. Let's do a fun event. And then you go to a, a business, which I know money is a bit tighter now because of COVID. And you turn and say, I'd like you to sponsor this event. And your why is, It helps their well-being. It's good for their health. It narrows down obesity. It narrows down diabetes. It narrows down cholesterol. It narrows down blood pressure. Think of the wider picture.
0: Yeah, And that's
3: how you're going to get it. Because I'm telling you now, the more we stay active as black people, we'll be cutting in half all of those things that are associated with us because of our genetics. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Oh, Michelle, like there's just, you know, know, I said to you the other day, I could just talk to you for hours, but... I just want to, you know, thank you woman to woman and um, just like for being out there, for being so fearless, so fierce and so passionate about what you do. I think the world's a better place for
2: thank having so people
0: much. like you in it. Um, and Marcus, I feel as though this might have been like maybe the Michelle and Sabrina show. But <laughs>
3: Marcus, <laughs> who, Marcus is there just adding on his little bits of ingredients. And like we say again, and I always say it, we always need men behind the women. Oh, yeah
1: do you know listening to this conversation has just been like i don't like the word motivation because i think motivation is fleeting you need to have something stronger like that passion and like listening to you is just like amazing it's just like this fireball just like passed across
2: thank and it's you. just
1: like added more so thank you for just uh you know you've you've given some great points some great pointers and uh oh yeah it's been it's been fascinating and it's so interesting talking to you thank you for your time today
3: my absolute pleasure guys and you know I just want people to, to know that, you know, we're, we're all in this together. We're all out there to get our names out there, to, to influence, to impact in the most positive way we can. And change starts more and it continues. And we need us to be together um, as a community to keep pushing out there. Push us out there. Don't be, fear, don't be scared of us. Help us. Yes.
0: Great final message. Thank you so much, Michelle.
3: Pleasure.
1: that was an incredible conversation with michelle um i've just got so many takeaways from that i mean what's your kind of initial thoughts about that sabrina
0: she's just a force to be reckoned with like i like to surround myself you know i very much am on the same page as michelle when she talks about the importance of tribe the importance of having i call it like my fab five people around me that 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 share in the goal, you know, whether it's a running goal, whether it's an activism, whether whatever goal that is, but like having that community and when she's talked about that and, oh, I was just like my, honestly, I was having, what's it? They call them goosebumps because I was like, this woman is talking my language, you know, it's so much good stuff for us all to, even if we just take one bit and apply it, it's gold.
1: Yeah. And the question you asked about, I think the the dress sense and that kind of stuff and even the music that sort of struck me as well. And like when she talked about going into Nike and just that power dressing and just yeah. the bright colours and stuff, I was like, yeah, just own it. So I mean, why are you going to shrink yourself to be a carbon copy of someone else that you're not? Yeah.
0: yeah. And like, I think, you know, if I think back to my childhood and, and my teenage years and, and, you know, I live in this small Cotswold town and I, I wanted to be so small. I wanted to be so small that they wouldn't see me and therefore target me. So I would dress in really dark, like dark clothes, like, so I could almost become invisible. And I think that, you know, that, that kind of whole power dressing, however that might be. And I think I see it a lot in races as well. Like, you know, especially, um, you know, foreign races, Italians and stuff like that. Like they'll wear the most flamboyant race outfits and you're like, wow, because they're proud, they claim their space. And I think, You know the way we dress how we who we surround ourselves it's a reflection of of who we seek to be and 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 i think that came across with her so
1: strongly absolutely i think i'm gonna after this conversation i'm gonna order my gold head to toe
0: (laughs) you know (laughs) Uh, it marcus
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, <laughs> going to be like sunglasses. And you're like what the hell happened to that guy?
0: <laughs> but it makes you, you know, I think when you have your, as, as, as racers, which, you know, you, you, you're, 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 uh, you know, you're focusing on you know, your marathon at the moment. I'm the, the ultra, but you, do you have those go-to things that, you know, are kind of like your superstitious, like I've got to wear these or I've got to do that. Do you have anything like that?
1: Yeah, I've got this one particular cap. It's from uh, the Boston Marathon in 2018, which is notorious for the bad weather. And for some reason, I put that on for my sessions and my tempo runs. And it's almost like it reminds me of how strong I was on that day. Yeah. So for me, that's almost like a go-to piece of uh, clothing.
0: I love that. Yeah, it is those those pieces those things that we have that we can either have in our pockets or have on our person that remind us just how strong we can be is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but oh I am so glad that she agreed to be on I just i I yeah i I really hope that you guys listening um can take something away with you or lots of things away with you and and start to you know apply it whether it's to your your trail running journey your life your community because yeah that was that was a very powerful interview I felt
1: yeah and one thing I mean there's so many things but she was talking along the lines of I think when we're having negative self-talk or just having those doubts and those challenging moments she said to her clients I mean what's your evidence for it Mm. how often do we interrogate what we're thinking is true or not or just assuming that is is the truth I mean it's like the stuff that we say would we say it to a friend or whatever and I just love that sort of Process to step back and just be like, is what's the evidence for it?
0: Mm. And it's it's really funny, you know. I try and relate. I was really thinking about it when she said that, and I was like, you know, one of the big things for people when they take up trail running, and I know it's a barrier, and I know it's it's a real thing. Is 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 that you know thing around safety? You know, especially now, you know, we're in autumn; it's a little bit darker in the morning or in the evening, and and it's like you know we put these barriers you know this fear around taking up new things you know if if you want to try trail running and you're like oh I'm worried about you know will I get lost or have I got the right kit or whatever but a lot of that you know is is fear it's false evidence appearing real because we have no evidence you know or evidence that you're going to get lost you know that's where the skills part of what we as black trail runners community are doing is is helping you with skills around navigation and and kits so that you're really equipped and you've got that kind of community behind you lifting you up, you know, and, 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 you know, that's why, that's why we exist, isn't it?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think you hit the nail on the head in the conversation, like this group wouldn't exist if everything was as equal as some people think it is. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not trying to be separatists, as we've said on countless occasions. Uh, we're just trying to, do one small thing to raise awareness, and uh it's just uh, incredible to sort of see the, the, the changes that are happening, the people that we're speaking to, and just going back to what you said about community. And you know, sometimes you could speak to Olympians and you can put them on this kind of pedestal like they're something different to you and I. But you know, I've got so much from her as we've discussed, but even on the kind of just beyond sport, she talked about community, the importance of family, connecting with. A family on both sides connecting with good people regardless of, the, of what race or person mm. they were and i think that is so important to remember that sense of connection especially now mm. when you know things are you know we're down to six people uh well the government says certain, certain ways so yeah 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 it's so confusing but i mean no one really knows how to best manage the situation so i can't really criticize them too badly but i mean communities just so important
0: I think so, you know, and I, 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 you know, I know it's not ideal and I, I would love to just to gather everyone together that is, is, is working to the same goal in terms of our mission to, to, you know, increase the numbers of black people in trail running and I kind of just want to kind of get everyone together physically and see, but we can't. So we have to, we make the best use of the communications tools and platforms that we have, you know, and, and we use Instagram, we use in this podcast now, we've got our Facebook community, you know, we're asking uncomfortable questions and, you know, what I would just urge people to do, especially, you know, if you're in the UK globally, you know, we're all going through it with this pandemic is lean upon your virtual communities. You know, that's what we're here for. We might not be able to give you a hug, but we can give you a virtual hug and we can lift you up. And and it's really, I think these some of these virtual communities have really come into their own at this time because it provides it provides that support. It provides a, someone else who... Has been through what you're going through, and and there is nothing better than getting that reciprocal aha uh-huh from somebody. I know what you're talking about. I've been there, and I'm here to listen, and I'm here to support in any way I can.
1: Totally agree with that. Um, I mean, there are like you said, like you say, there are benefits to social media, and and these are some of the ways that it is beneficial to people, especially in this time. I just sort of think, you know growing up without the internet i mean it was a different world then i mean we grew
0: up with carrier <laughs> pigeons didn't we mark
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's like go outside and play use your imagination <laughs> okay
0: all day you yeah. go outside all day you go in the morning you might take you might take a mars bar with you or something you know yeah. we couldn't afford mars bars it was poor working class but she'd just give us some white bread and butter and tell us to bugger off for the day you know and know. that was all right that's what everyone did now i can't get rid of my kids <laughs>
1: <laughs> well they're so like on their computers ipad yeah. like, stuff it's just technology's crazy anyhow i digress um it was a great conversation with michelle and i hope that you all listening have taken something from it as well
0: definitely and michelle did tell us to give us her a little bit of a shout out so we will do that on here so michelle's instagram handle um, is Michelle Griffith Robinson. Um, her website is michellegriffithrobinsonoly.co.uk. Um, so yeah, if you want to catch up with what she's doing, what she's up to, then um, catch her on those.
1: And we'll put, obviously, those details on the show notes. So let's talk about races. So one that's coming up for next year is the Ultra X 125 in england um ultrax are you know a great race and obviously we've uh, spoken about it and you know you've heard some of the interviews from sabrina uh simba and sunny in the early part of the uh podcast so they're opening their races for the the 4th to the 5th of september 2021
0: i know it's so exciting i can't wait <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean how was it when you when you went i know you spoke about it but just to give us like another idea for
0: you know what i think it's a really well organized race by a really switched on group of people um i think if you haven't been to the peak district before it is one of the best introductions i think you can get to that area that takes in mam tour Ed- edale and all surrounding areas around it um i know that already we have probably around about 10 representatives from Black Trail Runners that are going to that event uh, with a mixture of people doing 125 and the 50, more people doing the 50k than the 125. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I hadn't done an Ultra X event before. And with the 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 vibe, the uh volunteer support, the COVID um secure way that they ran the race, I I absolutely would do their events again. And I think England 125 next year, you know, could be one of the most, um, you know, it could again break records for the most kind of Black Trail Runners, Black Trail Runners community people attending. So come along, come along and join.
1: I mean, the photos look great. It just kind of reminded me sort of doing, being back at MDS. I know it's different terrain and landscape, but just being out of nature, especially here in the UK, there's so many beautiful places to, to go and visit and to see you know what?
0: you're absolutely right marcus and i'd never you know i've i've lived in you know i was born i was born in the uk and i've spent so many so much money over the years going to like foreign climbs and kind of you know standing there in awe at the the, the vistas and the landscape and stuff like that but actually you know what you can get that here in the uk and i think races like ultra x england 125 and other races give you the opportunity to experience our landscape in a safe environment. Um, you know, especially from a black trail runner's perspective, you know, with other black trail runners and or in wonder about like where we live and our access to it. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 certainly on on my to-do list for next year.
1: And how are the COVID measures? Because I can imagine obviously with ultra races, everyone's a bit more spread out. You're outdoors, so
0: Yeah. I mean, when we started, we were all kind of like two meters apart or kind of surrounding the start gantry. And then they had like a big rope in the middle. And then you and another person were like either side of the rope. And then you would be set off at different, I think it was half a minute increments. So there was a social distance between you side by side and the social distance between you and the person that had gone before. And then they didn't let anyone start until you'd gone through like the timing area and you were on your way. So. It, the start at, was done really, really well. And when you're out there, you're absolutely right. You know, you're on the trail. Um, you know, I was running with Sunny, but, you know, people that were passing us were passing with space, but there weren't, there wasn't a lot of that because it's not a massive road race. You know, everyone's pace is different. I think the most busy areas were like the tourist attractions, like the top of tour and, and we were just used our common sense there and just kind of went around the outside of the the, the the people that were there that had walked up that, you know, were just visiting. So it was handled really well, you know, even going into checkpoints, you know, you go into checkpoints, single file, hand sanitizer before, face mask on, you know, you go get your water, sort yourself out. You know, there were just so many volunteers that were also reminding you, especially at the end when you were tired of the appropriate way to approach the checkpoint and leave it. There was really nothing that I can say that I felt at any time that I was in an unsafe environment.
1: That's really encouraging to hear. And it sounds like a really incredible race. I think the people that are going to do it next year are going to have an incredible time. I hope to be out there crewing because I think for me, it's just before one of my A races for next year. So that's slightly annoying for me because I really want to run it. I'll be out there for sure.
0: And I look forward to seeing you. (laughs)
1: my sunny face (laughs) yeah. at the crew station
0: Um, now the next race that we wanted to let you know about actually um, is happening the day that this podcast comes out but we just wanted to mention it anyway because we are going to be doing some stuff with Maverick um, run series next year Um, so we have got Simba who um, (laughs) who I can't remember Marcus whether he will have already been um, his piece will have already been on on the podcast or not yeah it's been yeah it's been so Simba as you know had a bit of a nightmare at England 125 his hip flexor when and um, but he was the most amazing cheerleader that we could have had there um helped help me a lot um uh, but he is actually going to be attempting his next race which is the Maverick race in Tillingboard which is near Guildford This race, this trail race covers different distances. So it's 6K, 11K and 22K distance options. So you can do either one of those. And I think the great thing about Maverick is that the races that they do tend to include a few kind of distances from shorter distances up. As I said, you know, we'll be coming to you with some news about uh, some work that we're going to be doing with Maverick next year. So that'll be in a, a future podcast. But I know Simba's there and I just want to say he might not listen to this before he goes running. But we know that you will have absolutely put your all into it, Simba. And we're all going to be kind of keeping our fingers crossed that that hip looks after you and doesn't give you any gyps so that you can you can kind of complete this race.
1: Yeah. Sending him our best wishes. And it was really great you speaking to him, Matty, in the beginning. And I really couldn't get over the Backstreet Boys <laughs> in played in the background.
0: <laughs> this is the thing about this is the thing about uh, trail races and scar areas is that they always have some kind of music on. <laughs> but you can never... I couldn't believe it. Me, Simba and I just kind of looked at each other like, oh, God, what the hell are they playing? I don't know that I've ever heard a Backstreet Boys song can blast out of speakers. But hey, there's a first time for everything, isn't there?
1: <laughs> and a the last time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I know you loved it because you texted me saying... I'm kind of singing away to the Backstreet Boys.
1: (laughs) Been outed. I know I've been outed now. So uh,
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, Marcus. Sorry, but I had to
1: reminiscing about those days in the back in the back in the day. (laughs) Through covid (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> so in the clubs, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and then the third uh, race that we wanted to let you know about was, and I know that we've got some great audio um, on it next week. But last weekend was our first Black Trail Runners Trail Tester Taster Workshop at Wendover Woods, brought to us with the support of Centurion Running. Now, in the last race section of the podcast, I we had said that a lot of the Centurion races sell out so so quickly. But that a great way for you to see what it's like doing one of these races, seeing how important crew stations are and and checkpoints are, is to volunteer. So I have taken the ball by the horns and I have put my name down to volunteer at the South Downs Way Hundred, which takes place on the seventh of November. Um, So hopefully I'll be able to help out there, which means that I will be able to run the race either next year or i think there's a there might be like a 3 year um window for that so yeah you know just wanted to reiterate that even though some of these races might be full that we mention a great way to experience them is to get involved with volunteering there and speaking from experience you know volunteers are so so valuable when you are doing something like this they can make the difference between yeah you finishing the race and you not
1: yeah, and they give you such great advice as well. I know we had a bit of a joke before about stuff you don't want to hear, like, for example, people saying, you look so good towards, towards the end of a race. You're like, I don't. I, really I look don't. terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's lovely like when you hear it. And I always kind of look up and give a smile because I think anyone giving you that's out on the course, that is giving you kudos, is giving you positive reinforcement. I always acknowledge anyone that does, even when I'm feeling like, oh, i just feeling awful. Um, and I know that I think one of the pieces of feedback we had about the last podcast was around, well, can you explain why, you know, as, a vol- as somebody cheering people on, saying only a park run to go is maybe not the right thing to say. And what I would say to that is it's totally personal. It's totally you know, from a runner perspective, what works for some may not work for the others. You say whatever it is that you feel compelled to say. No one is really going to turn around and say, don't tell me that. You know, most people will look up, give you a smile. Just the fact that you've acknowledged that they're there is the big thing, you know, so it's personal. I think great things to say are things like, I don't know. I like things that people say, like, keep your head up or keep smiling, you know, because if you've got a smile on your face. It can just make the dire of, of situations just feel better. The fact that you're turning your frown upside down. But as I said, everyone is different and you just being there and supporting means the world.
1: Yeah, I think ultimately support is is valuable. and You've got to take it. And it's it could be worse. Someone could be standing there just looking at you. <laughs> of not cheering, yeah. rather than say something than not say anything. So I mean, like you say, I think it's definitely personal for each person. And I think something for me that's really worked before is when someone said to me when I was was running towards the end of, of one particular marathon, he said, "Like he was running his bike actually but alongside me for a little bit, so it was a little bit of a longer pep talk rather than a, a passing sort of thing." He's like, "You know, remember what the work you did to get here. You've got this. You're, I yeah. you mean, all this kind of stuff, and just making me r- remind myself of my whys." Um, and it's really cool when you look into whiskey, you can go, Oh, okay, cool. I can actually do this. And I think that was for me, that was a nice, um, way to finish the race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I write on my arms sometimes is like the pain is temporary, but the beauty remains. Because you know that at some point the physical and mental anguish of you getting to the end of whether, you know, I've been there at 5K and I've been there at 50K and I've been there at 150K. You know, it's that feeling that, you, that goes through your head like it's never going to end, but actually it does end. And the beauty of smashing some of those goals or smashing your PR or smashing just a goal to run a distance is so much more satisfying. Um, So, you know, the pain is temporary and the beauty of having done that always remains.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, all encouragement is welcome. So uh, we'll definitely take it. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to say no. Uh, So yeah, that's for races. I think now we're going to move on to the A to Z of trail running. And we're on to bees. I think the first thing we're going to start off with is obvious because obviously the name is Black.
0: Black, yeah. I mean, we're black trail runners. It would be uh, weird of us not to talk about being black when it comes to the bee of trail running.
1: It would be the elephant in the room, wouldn't it? Yeah. So uh, I think we have to mention it. I mean, one of the, the things that we we thought about as well especially looking at the facts as well as i think one of the stats that sunny pulled up which is really interesting was that in the uk national parks uh, it's basically accounted like for about one percent of um, Bain visitors attended mm. so that kind of goes to show that even outside of running just in outdoor spaces in those mm. sort of environments that uh, what the representation is like
0: absolutely i think it's you know it's you know, when you see that kind of data in black and white, and you know that data is out there for anyone to see, you know there is a real lack of representation. You know, we talk about trail running, but within uh, with with the BAME community, you know, and access to that outdoor space, you know, and and it's important to ask ourselves as we ask the question in trail running, you know, why are there. You know, why is there such a lack of representation of black people who partake in trail running? The same can be said of you know brown people, black people, minority ethnics in terms of their use of outdoor space, you know and and the data is out there for there to see, but without with you can have the data, but then there has to be that creative um engaging grassroots work around how can we address that, and that ultimately. Is what we are here for is we know and the data is actually starting to show us you know we had our first lot of race data back after working and asking race organizers to add ethnicity questions into their race registrations and it's there in black you know it's there in black and white yes it is only one race and we have many more um data uh sets to come forward but it certainly um makes us believe that you know we absolutely are here for a reason because what those race registrations showed us that there were no black there were no black people that had entered um the race there are only 0.6% that were a mixed white black caribbean so you know we know and, and and as i said it's just one set of of race data and it's by no means the only set that we're going to get but it it's, it starts to what we wanted was the data and it starts to to help us to form measurable you know change and measurable tactics that can change those numbers
1: yeah i mean the outdoor spaces are for everyone and we're not trying to create division here but we're just trying to highlight the fact that for some they don't see it as a place for them and we want to change that conversation which is why this this community Forms.
0: absolutely absolutely um you know we, we we talk about it we talked about it in the um interview with Michelle and we talk about it every week but you know we we need to see more action taken around the 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 pillars of access skills and representation and you guys know that are listening to this and that keep up to breast with keep up to breast I didn't mean that. <laughs> Keep up to date with what we're doing in terms of our campaigning and our community, you know, from a access point of view, from a skills point of view. You know, we've just had our first Black Trail Runners Skills Weekend, Trail Taster Weekend, you know, from a representation, so much work in terms of communicating the messages around those pillars and what we are doing, you know. And we continue to drive that home because we have to. That's the work that we do. Um, But yeah, I mean, B, black, black trail runners.
1: Yeah, I think your last comment there, you're probably thinking about the next one, which is why you kind of stumbled there.
0: I probably am.
1: (laughs) I was trying to hold it into it. I was like, don't laugh. Of
0: course you were. Of course you were, Marcus. Go on then, tell us what the next B is.
1: Okay, so the next B is bonk, but obviously get your (laughs) mind out of the gutter, not the one you're thinking of.
0: Take your mind out the gutter, people. (laughs) I was going to say, let me give you like the definition I've just found of to bonk, right? That again, take your mind out of the gutter. If you run lo- if you run distances, and I'm not even going to say long distances, but if you run regularly, the chances are, even if you are running five k, because it's happened to me, that you at some point you will have or you will bonk. The other word for bonk, which you might need to, you might have heard of, is to hit the wall. So basically, bonking describes that point at which your body's glycogen stores are depleted and the body starts to really fatigue and burn fat, which basically makes every step towards the finish line a real difficult step. Have you been there, Marcus? Have you ever bonked? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yes, I do to clarify what that means, by the way. So uh, yeah, I think we've all been there where you think I can go out there and not fuel and uh, you pay the price. So I think yeah, it's so important to fuel. We're not trying to be like, you know, you could run on fats and no carbs, that kind of stuff. I mean, that kind of talk is pretty dangerous. Mm. I think you really need to make sure that you're fueled up before and you've got the fuel during. I mean, for me, like if I do like key sessions or workouts, like it's imperative if I don't fuel before I know that I'm gonna hit the wall and it's just not going to be enjoyable.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a horrible, horrible feeling, and I've had it a few times when I've just got my fueling wrong. Mainly, if I'm being honest, when I was doing more road races and 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 just 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 did not. Understand my body and its needs, its calorific needs, its carbohydrate needs, its hydration needs well enough. And I found myself in a dark hole of bonking, <laughs> of hitting the wall and getting yourself out of there. Once I
1: think you use a different reference. <laughs> I think we should,
0: <laughs> but I'm just going to call it hitting the wall. So I'd hit the wall. And once you have hit that wall, it is so so hard. It can be achieved, but it is so hard to climb out of that dark place. So certainly when it comes to trail running, I always make sure, and this applies, it doesn't matter what distance you're doing, that I have fueled appropriately beforehand. And and for me, sometimes if I'm just going out for a 10K run, that just means eating my my Weetabix or my porridge, a good one and a half to two hours before, so it doesn't repeat on me or whatever. And just ensuring that my body, that furnace has the fuel that it needs in order to keep my little legs turning over when they're trying to get up a muddy hill or trying to descend um, a mountain as effectively as I can or or a hill as effectively as I can. So fueling to stop you hitting the wall, should be thought about beforehand, while on the run and post as well. Because once you've, you know, once you've finished your training run or your race, your body needs to refuel in order to aid that muscle repair, in order to replenish stocks, et cetera, et cetera.
1: You know, you've hit the nail on the head, especially about, you know, fueling a couple hours before a run because your body needs that time to kind of digest it and process everything and... You just don't want any GI issues as well, I think. I know, again, I don't want to lower the tone, but the worst thing is to just eat too much before and then pay pay the price. You
0: get the runner's Um, trots. Can I say it? Runner's trots? I mean, maybe we'll talk about that when we go into R.
1: (laughs) Or W, like the wildlife lavatory. The
0: wildlife lavatory. I've never heard it described as that before.
2: (laughs) Yes, the lavatory, (laughs) so yeah runners bonk
0: is real runners hitting the wall is real and um i guess one tip that i would give is i always have and i think i may have mentioned this last week i always have an emergency um food stash on me um I have to really keep an eye on it because sometimes if I forget, I got the food stash in there and it might be like a cereal bar or or something, I can forget it's there and then it'll be there for months and I'll open it up and be like, I'm not going anywhere near that. But um, I always just run with something, you know, like a 200 or 300 calorie little snack just in case for some reason on that run, my body's not behaving as it normally does. And I've got something there to fuel myself with. So I would say always take something out with you
1: yeah a pick you up sort of thing yeah. I guess it, it kind of varies between obviously the stuff that you need like mix of carbs obviously not too many carbs i think for the the ultras cause i think you need different type of fuel like yeah the fat things like that and obviously the salts electrolytes
0: yeah yeah
1: um whereas i guess if you're doing like marathons or road sort of stuff then carbs would be more important than the other stuff
0: yeah yeah i mean they call um, you know, I do a lot of ultra running and, you know, our trail running, black trail runners, you don't have to be an ultra runner to be a trail runner, you know, but that is my, that's my discipline. And um, it's basically, you'll hear a lot of people refer to ultra marathon distances as like a bit of a, a it's basically a, a race in terms of how much food you can actually eat because you have to keep your body just goes into such a state of depletion. You've got to keep eating. It's like yep. a food and drink race, but you know, I love my food. I hate that feeling of starting to shake when, you know, your blood sugar is getting low and you know that your energy is kind of, you know, on that line. So, you know, I'm a real advocate of, you know, understand your body and understand how fuel affects you by You know, always training with, you know, the food that you think you might need if you're out racing, um, get your, you know, get that GR, you know, those, that gut used to running and moving with that food inside you. Um, there's nothing worse than being out there and like pulling out something out of your bag because you're feeling a bit lacking in energy and you're just like, oh my God, I know that this is going to cause me issues in the, like the future, either the near future or the medium future. Um, because, you know, we don't want any bonking, you know, if you can avoid the bonk, avoid it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And when I did uh, the half the it kind of really brought uh, fueling into the fore in terms of like, because they actually have to, you get penalties, like if you don't fulfill the certain requirements in terms of like providing the amount of uh, calories required mm. per day. So that was quite an interesting experience in making sure that I had the right amount of food. Um, and then that's again an experiment itself because one thing I learned during is that I brought too much of the same type of food. Yes. And a big a big thing is that you actually really want to vary the taste of things mm. because you you will get sick mm. of eating that thing that you loved the day before.
0: You're absolutely right. I know that when I um, – I, I have a real sweet tooth. I mean, you know, who doesn't? But I thought that I – just would be able to eat sweets like jelly babies, fruit pastels, jelly tots, um, sweet gels, because I love sweet food. But actually, it's really bizarre. Over the years, I've learned that what my body craves is savory, um, is things like mini cheddars, it's things like peanuts, it's things like, um, oh, i tell you what I found was like, cheese wrapped in chorizo like and and these are kind of what my body says it wants and it's only near the end of a race that I actually have like a bit more of a sweet tooth I guess because it's kind of almost the sweet stuff is that sugar-based stuff that's like a quick hit but um but yeah you you do find out pretty quickly that actually the taste that you thought you would like and you would want can vary massively when you're out there training on the trails
1: yeah, definitely. I think we've definitely covered a lot in, in this section. So before uh, it carries on to a further sort of carry on version of the bonging. <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on to the next B, which is uh, blisters.
0: Oh, hands up. Who's, uh, or hands up, I say. Yeah, hands up whatever you're doing if you listen to this and you've had blisters in your in your running career. Both my hands are up. How about you, Marcus?
1: They are, but you can't see them. No, <laughs>
0: of course. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't Joe Rogan. <laughs> you know, we haven't got this videoed no. as well. Yeah, so blisters. So let's talk about, you know, the experience you've had and how you've dealt with them or how you deal with them.
1: So probably the when I was in MDS again, I think that was probably my uh, first experience with blisters, especially because you're on your feet for such a long time. Mm. And it really becomes imperative to look after your feet. So the first thing you do when you get back is like take care of your feet, um, take care of any blisters. And I know I'm probably jumping quite a few stages, but especially in the morning as well, the first thing you do is just wrap your feet up, get them all dry and everything like that um, before you even go to the loo. Because, you know, once your feet are done, once your gaiters are on and you're ready to go, you've kind of solved that little issue.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think if I could give anyone any advice in terms of blisters, it would be number one, it would be ensure that your shoes are good for your feet Um, so what we discussed last week is trail shoes Um, so what you might find is if you go out there and get a new pair of trail shoes or you're wearing any new pair of shoes you know hopefully you know you've 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 kind of got the right brand you've got the right model but you're not going to really know just how well your feet mold to those shoes or those shoes mold to your feet until you're actually out running in them so what I tend to always do especially if I'm running in new shoes is I will just continue to body scan like every 10 minutes just asking going through my body from top to toe and asking if anything feels a bit weird when it comes to feet, a good indicator for me is to some, when something's not quite right is, we call them hot spots, is that you'll notice when you're running, oh, that that spot on my foot feels a bit weird. Sometimes it can feel like there's a little uh, a stone in there or something. Um, and I would always say as soon as you feel anything uncomfortable going on with either the sole of your foot or surrounding the side of your foot, stop Take off your trainer and just and your sock and just have a look, wipe it over, have a look to see if you can see any kind of redder areas and address that. And again, that is something that we I was taught when I was training for the Marathon Day Saab is that it's no, there's no use reflecting on, oh, I wish I would have taken care of that hot spot or that uncomfortable area on my foot after the event. Because once the blister's there, it's there. Um, So I would say always just be really mindful and you can incorporate it into your running, um, into your training, just to body scan and just check in on your feet regularly.
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, there's so many factors in in that as well. It's in terms of like, say, socks as well, getting the right type of material, making sure that they're dry as well as possible. Um, Things do change obviously mid-race, but uh, yeah
3: it took me
0: ages i don't know what kind of socks you use but it took me ages to find um to find a pair of socks that gave me the protection that i needed but didn't make my feet too hot because my feet do tend i've got wide feet and they do tend to get really hot yeah and i've now found a brand of running socks that are um are allow my feet to breathe but not that I've got it's so thin that it feels it's like skinned trainer contact, and I honestly yeah. hand uh, touch wood. I since wearing these socks, I have not suffered with any blisters.
1: I think once you find something like that, you've just got, to stick, you've got it, really. to stick
0: with it. Really with it,
1: yeah. Um, I really like the idea of the body scan, and I think yeah, that's so applicable to so many areas. Really, um, not just your feet, but just everything. Really, in terms of how your arms are feeling, all, all the way down to yeah, your, your toes. So yeah. Um, now I think there's some great advice there, and yet. Make sure you look after your feet because once they're gone, like you say, it's pretty much game over for the race.
0: It really is. I mean, I know that, um, you know, and, and please don't think that, you know, blisters only happen to people. I mean... That, that run long distances it's really not the case you know it can happen you know you even being out on a half an hour run if there's something going on with your trainers in terms of fit in terms of um comfiness if there's something going on with your socks if you know if the terrain has meant especially when you're trail running that you might have some loose debris in there some stones some gravel some dirt all of these things if they affect that sole of your foot, and they result in a blister, can be a game changer, and can really take away from the enjoyment of a run. When you get a blister and you don't deal with it, um, you know, just type in "running blisters" on Google, and and you'll see what we mean.
1: Yeah, look at images, and uh, yeah, don't eat your dinner at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> or
0: do if you're that kind of person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lockdown madness, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what was that lockdown madness
1: lockdown madness
0: oh i thought you said lockdown (laughs) madness
1: we're recording this in the
0: afternoon and i think we're both (laughs) on a bit of a, a kind of go slow hey what did you say today so yeah so that is the b of trail running we've got black we have got bonk and we have got blisters
1: i know you're looking forward to w for the uh, the wildlife laboratory but um, unfortunately you know. c is next
0: <laughs> so yeah guys if you've got any suggestions as to a c for the next episode the c of trail running has to apply to trail running um training being out there um just drop us a dm to instagram or drop us an email um and let us know and we will put it into the hat for discussing as part of c Thank you for joining us at The Checkpoint.
1: If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and share online.
0: Also, please remember to leave your review on the podcast platform that you selected, as it really helps our podcast to grow.
1: Your support helps make this podcast possible.
0: Remember, if you have any questions, get in touch with us via our Instagram page, at Black Trail Runners, or... If you want to join our community, please search Facebook for Black Trail Runners and connect with us.